Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Hello, 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 and welcome to the latest episode of Galactica. Actually, I am A.D. Jackson, and my co-host is... Jamie Smith. Hello, Jamie. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm cold. It is Ooh. very cold here today. Is it? Uh, yeah. what's the What's the temperature? You want an exact number? Um... What are we really working with? Podcasting. It's, yeah. It says it's 51, but it's um, very overcast and was raining, so it's a very cold 51. Oh, I was expecting you to say it was like 17 or something. No, um, no, no. It was in the 20s last week for sure. Ooh, but, good Lord. Um, today, it's just it's like the sun hasn't been out, so it's just kind of bitter. I'm sitting in a sweater inside the house. Like, it's cold. So it's California cold. Yes, it's not I, New England cold. It's California cold. I feel validated, <laughs> actually, by by you saying that it was twenty last week and that it's fifty whatever today, and you're still like it's cold because I tell people that all the time. They're like, "You went to school back east," and I'm like, "Yeah," and yeah. I don't anymore because I couldn't <laughs> handle the cold. Like, I don't. What part are you getting? Like, I love the cold. I really do. Um, and I'm from New England, but I lived in Arizona for 12 years, and I lived in California for six years after that. So my tolerance is not quite what it was. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember my winter coat in California. I wore it to Rhode Island for Christmas once, and I was like, um, this, <laughs> not enough. this coat... This coat has no lining. <laughs> this is this is a fashionable pea coat that is not for warm weather. I had to buy a coat while I was in Rhode Island because I couldn't handle it. You know, uh, tying this into uh, Battlestar Galactica, actually, la- I didn't bring <laughs> I didn't actually bring this up, but it was in my notes last episode um, where I was literally like looking at all the people in the background wearing their cold winter clothes. <laughs> <laughs> New yeah. Africa, and I was kind of like, "Where did they get them all from? Like, did they manufacture those? Like, it was a uh, kind of like you know, I just you thought know, it was something I thought about." That actually is similar to some thoughts that I had, which were, 
who built these vehicles? Who built these buildings? How did they do this so fast? Yeah. Because, like, yeah, they've been there for a year before the Cylons show up. Mm-hmm. But, like, a whole detention center and these big, big vehicles to, like, transport prisoners in and everything. And I'm just like, how did how did this happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. They, they landed on a planet that had nothing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are questions they don't want us asking. Yeah, you know. Like they, they I mean they it's funny cuz they do every once in a while they do talk about stuff like that semi where it's like with I think they actually in the last episode they brought up like the trucks that they use to bring the, you know, where they're going to execute people and you know, they had contemplated having like space type stuff but they always like they always default to stuff that we recognize like uh that episode downloaded when they uh with the cars in the in the um basement or with starbucks hummer mm-hmm. um yeah they kind of like throw that stuff in there because i think they just default to us recognizing or acknowledging it's close to our reality in some way but also yeah how did they how did it like get there like i don't know I also, my other question was, where did this dog come from? I thought about that this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Where the, was was the dog on, on the Galactica or one of the passenger ships, the civilian ships? Well, so they, I don't know, am I making this up? Because I, didn't they, <laughs> didn't they call, didn't, I, I can't remember if I'm, jumbling this in because i actually literally was thinking why didn't they name the dog muffet <laughs> from uh the original Battlestar? but did did boxy in this show have a dog no he didn't at all Mm-mm. so yeah because i'm like i'm totally like mixing it up with the original show so yeah i don't like yeah i don't know he's like the only i think he's the only animal we ever see on the show until until later, yeah. I don't. What other animals do we see? I don't remember. In the finale, there are some animals. Uh, well, yeah. Well, it, it, but you know, you know what I mean. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Romo has well, he has oh, yeah. a cat. He That's had right. a cat. We find yeah. out the cat's dead, but he had a cat. Yeah. On you know whatever ship he was on so Mm -hmm. but he was traveling with that cat like he left whichever colony he left from right with his cat but yeah i mean yeah so it's not like it's not outside of the bounds of like like possibility that there would be dogs right because people would have them or whatever we just haven't seen any yet yeah yeah and and like this being like the only dog like the the thought was in my head especially when um when Deanna like stopped to like pet the dog and I was like, I don't trust you around an animal. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And where'd this animal come from? (laughs) Yeah. Whose animal is it? It's just like tied to this spot. Yeah. Poor thing. It's cold there. Clearly everybody is bundled up. Yeah. If, if he, if your, if your dog's cold, if you're cold, your dog's cold. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was a rousing discussion. Well, next week, uh, Ex- <laughs> Exodus Part 2. <laughs> it's a great episode. Uh, can't wait for it. Until next time. No, um, oh. so <laughs> um, just a, a little bit of uh, 
like before we like jump in, I I was kind of like I was watching this episode and it really got me thinking again how much um like it's this show for me is so tied into another show that Ron Moore was involved with uh, with um Star Trek Deep Space 9 and there was a um, the I've always like liked Star Trek Deep Space 9 but I really started getting obsessed with it when they got into the Cardassian war and not with the Cardassians on TV but they there was a I think it was like a finale when the space station gets taken over by the Cardassians and the the Dominion and the next season like it took several episodes before we got to back to what the status quo was and I was really thinking about that when I was watching this show because and sort of like the same dynamic, like we have this like overturning of what the status quo is and they didn't jump like old school TV would have jumped back into it. Old school TV or Star Trek Voyager would have jumped right back into it the very next episode as if like, you know, we got to get we got to get this moving back to where it was. But this show takes a little time before we get to like the big finale and it builds up over those episodes. And so by the time you get to that episode, it is so amazing. It feels so good. My memory of this time feels like they were there so many more episodes than it actually is. Mm -hmm. I think because, well, the, you know, the first two episodes aired on the same night and then it was just two weeks. Yeah. Until so like really three weeks before we really have everybody fully back um but back then it just felt like like oh my god they've been there for a really long time they're sticking with this mm -hmm. and now i'm like wow it's only four episodes yeah i mean you know but it's still month. it's yeah but, it's yeah, still but if... four four episodes of like they I, they i think they made the right decision if they'd been there longer it would have felt like it was being drawn out mm-hmm so, and it didn't feel like that when I was like, oh my God, they've been here so long. Like it felt, it all felt very tense and, you know, how are they going to get off of this planet? Yeah, you you bring up a really great point about, because there was, I know, I know you love this show and I'm not, I'm not using it as an example to, to bash it, but. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I never really watched it, um, but then there was a, there was one season, I don't know what, at what season, it was like five or six or something, they were like in space, right? And I kept seeing the, I kept seeing yeah. the commercials, and I was like, whoa, this actually looks interesting. So I actually tuned in for those episodes, and I, like, initially, I thought it was pretty good. I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. But then it felt like they were drawing out much longer than it needed to be. Um, and I'm, oh God, I'm not bringing the show up to, to bash it, but Lost did that with the time travel seventies episodes where I felt like it should have only been, you know, three episodes max. Um, but it ended up being the whole season. Um, and a lot of that, I feel like it's, I'm going to bring up another show that I hate, <laughs> Is it another show I love? My God. No, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if you like this one. Uh, so The Walking Dead. 
um oh, yeah. the, the first few uh the i think it was season two yeah season two and three and four i think when they so it's so anyways um when they they're at the barn in season two and i think they're mm-hmm. at the jail and three and four mm-hmm. i think and like it's like I can see in in all of those examples, I can see from a production standpoint why they were the way they were because it's like they have the set and it's like we're just we're, we're going to use this, <laughs> right? So, but um, in terms of telling the story, it didn't like it was there was only enough story to make to be interesting for a few um, and like the hatch, right? And so it's just like it with this one. They told the like they had the set. They used it for episodes, and then they were out, and then they moved on. Um, and it doesn't have that feeling of uh, being in a holding pattern for an entire season. Like when I think about season three, I think there's like five or six or seven different story arcs <laughs> that they have across the season, rather than the entire season being one thing stuck yeah. in one place and so you're absolutely right if we were on new caprica any longer it wouldn't have the same like you know exclamation point that it does have for us yeah to use the walking dead comp if this show was like the walking dead they really would have been on new caprica for the entire season the walking dead tended to really keep their character stuck in a place longer than they should be there and that caused the characters to always make really stupid decisions yeah and it's why i think that show ultimately is not very good um and so this was yeah like the walking the walking dead is what it is like it's entertaining but you can't think about it because Mm -hmm. these people are so stupid if the if Battlestar Galactica did that, we would not be talking about this show still. Because we'd be like, oh my god, remember when they fucking went to New Caprica? Mm-hmm. Because it would just... It, it's not a an occupation and a rescue. It's, it's an entire season of what Lee and Adama being on the ship making plans and plans failing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, instead yeah. we get they get back and then there's more stuff and then there's more stuff and then there's like yeah. a, a, a legal thing and then there's like this and that and yeah. Starbuck and yeah, so they they kept it moving. Um there there's recently there was like a list. I don't remember. I didn't actually look at the list, but there was like um I think it was like a TikTok or something was talking about like uh what they were talking about shows that you were really into but then you just like quit because it just like dropped off a cliff or something um and if bad like if battlestar had have stayed on new caprica <laughs> it probably would be on that list i imagine you know and so like you're like telling yeah. somebody don't even bother watching this you know yeah so, like it started out good and then it like really fell off a cliff yeah yeah once upon a once upon a time would be that show for me God, like, i barely finished that first season yeah i it was like the first season they they got through it and then that was kind of it heroes <laughs> oh yeah don't uh, don't get me started on heroes <laughs> i mean that was one perfect season and then garbage i don't even think i don't even think the first season was perfect <laughs> uh you know i've never rewatched it so I, yeah I, maybe it 
it wasn't but i remember at the time thinking like this show is so fun and yeah uh yeah anyway was, you know you know me i was highly critical of it in, in its time and <laughs> felt i felt very smug and validated uh, later <laughs> when i was like see guys i i was trying to tell you you listen to me anyway we're on new well, caprica oh sorry I, go ahead. I do have one thing that um i'm I'm meant to bring up and didn't, but um, it's really about how this show sort of was eye-opening for me personally in regards to what my perception of the Iraq war was Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, What I always feel is really brilliant about this portion of Battlestar Galactica, this occupation, and the insurgents being the people that we're on the side of, and the suicide bombs and everything. These are things that were happening in reality, but the people that were doing them were the Iraqi people, who were people we, the United States, occupied. And it it really like made me have to stop and think about what I was being told versus what the reality may have been being able to see that situation from a different side. It was just really the word woke is overused and has become sort of, uh, it's been co-opted by people as an insult or whatever, but there's really no other way of explaining it other than it woke me up to start to question my government, what the news was telling me, and and really wanting to make sure that I was more informed about things instead of just taking the information that was given to me mm-hmm. and accepting that that was the truth. Yeah. So I don't know if that was what Ron Moore was going for or I'm, it, it has to have been part of his intention, but that's how, that's how it affected me. It was really instrumental in me thinking about the real world in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just really appreciative. And, and good art should do that. It should make you question what you know or what you think you know and seek out like have i been truly informed or have i been am i a victim of propaganda yeah i mean yeah the show makes you think of a lot of things even if it's not like on a political level like uh, there's a the a bit in this episode with uh with ellen and um ty yeah where there's a, a dilemma and they they bring these things to you often where you're, it's kind of like, well, what would I what would I do? And I don't know that there's ever really a right answer in most of these. Um, so, yeah, it's a great like with, with the Iraq war. It's interesting because whenever I listen to him talk about it, that the show in relation to that, like he brings it up and he acknowledges that. But he also kind of downplays it and he brings mm-hmm. up other references and I actually think that, like, I think it's a little bit more direct than he's, you know, kind of. Um, well, he was doing these these commentaries 
during in it. The, like, yeah, yeah, in the right. midst of it. So he probably was like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to tow this line a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm wondering if he would have a different a different like he would have different things to say about it and maybe i should have listened to trisha's podcast which he was a guest on for occupation and precipice mm-hmm. um so maybe i will go back this week and listen to that and see if he now 20 years later has a different thing to say yeah he, about he was, what their references were he's like i don't want to end up like the dixie chicks <laughs> i i mean seriously at, yeah. at the time we were like we were crazy. I mean, when I say we, like the United States, because it wasn't me. But I mean, they were like, can't they freedom fries? Remember that? I remember. <laughs> I remember just thinking how ridiculous some of the like the backlash and thoughts that people had about things were so reactionary, and it was like in yeah. this crazy hyper way. Um, but yeah, it was it was so elevated, and I just, I think it, you know as an extension of nine eleven, um, that uh-huh. was kind of like why we were being the way we were. But yeah, he like so yeah he does he, he was doing that stuff during that time, and he downplays it. But there's also like when he does downplay it though, he's actually saying something really important, which is again like we said before, like this has all happened before, <laughs> so it's not like we're just like putting it on the Iraq war. It's like, no, this is something that human beings do often, repeatedly, and it cycles back around. So you can take um, elements from World War II, from whatever. And, you know, um, to go back to, uh, to, like, Lucas said that for Revenge of the Sith, because when that came out, people, like, there was a segment of people that were saying it was about Bush and... um, the uh iraq war but he like he was like lucas was like no this is uh world war ii this is hitler yeah <laughs> you know? these are these are nazis what are you <laughs> yeah yeah what do you like you know but like well, look so, at their but, uniforms so what are you what are you guys thinking yeah so but the, the fact that you could get confused by that yeah. just shows how things like run in cycles and there's mm-hmm. there's there's um you know features of human experience that repeats itself whenever certain things happen we start to act in certain ways certain dynamics and i mean habit it's happening right now mm-hmm. and the world and it'll sadly probably happen again even if the entire planet gets nuked and we find a new earth um give us a hundred thousand years and we'll be terrible again so yep yeah yep sad but true so that was a great episode of <laughs> Exodus Part 1. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> um, so we start off uh, where we kind of left off last episode, but a little bit before. So it's kind of rehashing like the last act of uh, Precipice. It's sort of like a Snyder cut <laughs> of the last no, I episode. I think it's exactly the same. It's not because there are little bits and pieces that they show us um, where they're adding characters and scenes to give us a setup for how they get out of the situation we were in in the last part. So, Well, I think it it opens up with just an, a direct, like, Callie getting let go, the... Right. I know what you're saying. I'm talking about the, like, I'm not talking about literally this, like, 
couple minutes. I'm just sort of like talking about this whole first. Oh, yeah. Well, then they go back an hour earlier or whatever. But like it opens with us seeing the exact thing that ended the last episode, which is a weird choice, I have to be honest. So yeah, Jammer lets Callie go. She runs. Silence show up. We get the firing, uh, firing squad. A uh, firing squad. Uh, Cavill kind of slinks away. Cut to the running gunshots. And we go one hour earlier. Um, Ty, uh, he's trying to put his eye patch on, and you really get like a sense of like the damage that was done to him. Really good makeup there. Yeah. I don't know if it's makeup or if it's CGI or both, but yeah, yeah. Um, and then Ellen comes in and tries to help him put it on, and she's very nurturing. It's like a side of her that you know we don't normally see, and it's really good to do this to 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 drive the knife in a little bit later with with what has yeah. to happen. Um, so uh, she tells him uh, she just wants him to know that she would do anything for him. You know, feel feeling guilty. Nobody asked you, Ellen, but she had to offer that information. Um, a freshly shaved chief comes in. <laughs> he barges I, in. <laughs> I have a bit of trivia about this. Yeah, I when I was watching it, I kind of assumed that it was what you're going to, I will let you say it later. I kind of assumed what it was. And then when I watched the commentary, uh, Rob Moore says what it was. But it, yeah, yeah, it's that um, Aaron Douglas's scenes were shot weeks after this and he had already shaved and they felt that a fake beard would not be convincing, which yeah. I think they're right because his beard was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It would have been like all stiff and like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, he walks in. I just was wondering when he had the time to shave. But anyways, he <laughs> <laughs> he barges in. Um, he shows them that, uh, that there's a death list that he got from the dead drop. Um, Callie's and Callie's name's on it, and it's freaking out. He says that there's a uh, the that group. This uh, this actually made me think of something, but that particular group is headed for coordinates X ray seven, and I kind of thought about it because I I think they I think earlier they said that there were two hundred. No, I'm I'm making that up. Um, I don't know how big that list was, but I'm wondering if there were separate uh separate jeeps or whatever of people or if those are the only ones i think there were multiples because yeah i believe that there were 200 people on the list i think that's something that um yeah they said said. yeah okay yeah yeah um but obviously there's a higher chance of these prisoners surviving the firing squad if it's 200 people (laughs) than if you have smaller groups of like 50 yeah so yeah it just made me think well, because a little bit later, you know, he goes, they go to save Callie, but it's like there are very important other important people <laughs> yeah. that just happen to, it's like, happen really to get saved. It's really fortunate that the important, the, the three <laughs> major people involved here were in <laughs> were the, the, same, same, yeah. the same convoy. Yeah, yeah that's but, all. you know, it's television. <laughs> yeah, it's TV. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so anyways, Chief's freaking out. Uh, Ty tells him, calm down. He's like, you're not going to be any good if you're, like, you know, not useful. Um, then uh, he tied them. He figures out the those coordinates are related to a list of Cylon frequencies from the last dead drop that they got. So Chief realizes, oh, he can figure it out. Ty, t- Ty tells him to go find that list and decipher it, then tells him to take uh, four men and head 
to head the uh, the firing squad off. Um, and then tells Chief again, calm the hell down. <laughs> He's kind of like jokingly kind of besides he doesn't want him and he doesn't want Ty and Ellen to be little Nicholas's parents. So, yeah, um, and I don't think anybody would want at least Ellen to be the mother-in-law. But Ty seems like he has a drinking problem, so he wouldn't be very <laughs> good watching the kids. Get um, out of here. We have to give Ty a little bit of credit here that he's much better being in charge of this situation mm-hmm. that they're in than he was being in charge of the Galactica. Mm, that's a really good point. Yeah. Like he's got plans. He's got contingency plans. He's calm under pressure and he's calming other people down. You know, it's really interesting you say that because the, the dynamic here is it like, I think he, like when he was the, commander or whatever the galactica it was like he was like the buck stops here kind of vibe Mm -hmm. i mean here it's like he's giving orders and he's telling people stuff but it's not like he's the he's like the designated leader and everyone must listen he just sort of like steps up and they listen to him yeah right because he's got experience in two wars um he's not always you know generous in the way that he tells people the thing the way things are gonna go he's still tie you know he's still like "Uh, uh, yeah i was gonna hit the marketplace you know like he's he still has these plans that are sort of not considering everyone that could be injured or everybody's opinions but he also seems to listen a bit to people's opinions he's doing he's not doing this on his own he's it's a collaboration between him and chief and and um anders so yeah you know they must have input yeah well yeah and then it's also it's interesting you that's a really great point you bring up um because in the last episode they it was uh it was either the last one or the one before ron moore talks about just again this exemplifies like why Adama would keep Ty around because when when everything hits the fan, you know Ty mm-hmm. will be able to have your back and step up and make the tough calls and you know going all the way back to the miniseries when he tells him to vent the ship, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know even when he's in that when he's in that crisis situation in um, forget the name of the episode when they board the ship. Um, yeah, uh, they absolutely, he absolutely like knows exactly what to do. It's when things calm down and he has to go to the administrator mode that he like spirals and freaks out. Yeah. So it's not that Ty's not a good leader. He's just, he's not great at leading a battleship, you know, like having to follow that kind of protocol. Like this is much more his vibe of like, this is the shit that has to get done and this is how we do it he like he probably never should like he's a good xo because he follows orders from adama Mm -hmm. but would he be a good xo under anyone else probably not that's a really great point all right good job good job colonel ty (laughs) i mean I, i love him 
this was, I know. It's crazy. This was the season, though, where I went from, like, oh, God, Ty, like, frustration with him to being, like, oh, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> He's so great. Uh, yeah. I mean, I always <laughs> loved him, even when he was, like, you know, crusty well, yeah, me crumbly, too. But... Like, he, I never disliked him, but, you know, he was he was frustrating yeah 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 no totally yeah and th- yeah in this season he definitely uh, you know he's dealing with a lot of a lot of stuff mm-hmm. oh my god i didn't think about jesus i mean just next episode but then yeah he's got a he's he's got a road that he's going down <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah so cheap Chief heads to his tent, and he's trying to figure out where the frequency list is. Uh, then he begins to decipher the location. Then he gets Celix, who we haven't seen in since last season, um, yeah. I think on COBOL or something. Um, he gets uh, Celix and tells her uh, to get some men together. They're going to Pergamus Flats, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, back near Beggar's Canyon, uh, Sharon and... A- Breeders Canyon. Uh, yeah, Bram Breeders Canyon, sorry. Uh, with a beggar is beggars from Star Wars. <laughs> Did yeah, I? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Sharon and this cool Marine who I just think is amazing, uh, named Matthias, uh, Matthias, I think. Um, they are. It's like so. It's going back. Oh, well, we're already at an hour ahead, or an hour in the past. So yeah, there's. It's back when they were landing going to uh, Breeders Canyon and they're kind of sussing the situation. Um, Sharon tells her to put some men on the ridge for cover because Matthias says that it doesn't look safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to the scene where Sharon and Anders give a hug. They're going to repeat that part. Tyrrell and Celix, meanwhile, in their part, and the men, they go down to the location and they see the group getting you know, pulled out of the uh or they see the group in the trucks um he spots Rosalind and then he spots Callie and sees her running Celix spots the Cylons lining up and then Tyrrell tells her to cite the uh, cite the Centurions and Celix is like uh but your wife is in the line of fire <laughs> and... yeah can can we talk about this oh yeah we could definitely talk about this <laughs> did Ron Moore say anything about this he did say he he talked about. I mean, go ahead and say what you're going to say, and then I'll say what he says because I don't know exactly what you're going to say, but I kind of no. So when we see Callie running at the end of last week's episode, at the beginning of this week's episode, she is she slides down this little quarry thing, but then she is clearly running through some trees, yeah. and she is not running in the line of fire between the centurions and the prisoners she is running in an opposite direction away from the captives but then here she's just fucking running right out in the open and i don't understand why they didn't i don't understand why it was i just like i turned to jason and i was like this is really bad editing and i don't say that about this show like ever they decided to have her running right in the line of fire, right where everybody can see her. It, it makes no sense. So did Ron Moore talk about this? Yeah, he did. And and so just to kind of 
jump on that a little bit. Like even in the last episode at the end, like I my thought was when she got pulled off to the side and runs down the little thing. I'm like, who wouldn't see her? <laughs> like there's like everybody was kind of standing there. Like you could definitely you would definitely be able to see that. And the way she was running, yeah. it you should like somebody would have seen it. But uh, you know, I let it go. Whatever. And then like so what you're saying, um he so what Ron Ward talks about really he doesn't he doesn't specifically say it doesn't work out or whatever but he did say that they worked a lot on the logistics of it to have it so you that's probably why it feels the way it does um and i think at some point he talks about how limited they were with the location and um how i think the 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 camera angles and like the special effects had to do a lot to even make it look the way it did. So they, I mean, that's probably why they shot it. And then let's just try to do our best to make it work. Cause it definitely, like, like I said, like even going back to the episode before, it doesn't really work for me, but Mm -hmm. it's still exciting. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. It just took me out of it for a minute. Yeah. I think it, yeah, it goes so fast for me. It doesn't, it doesn't take me out, but I totally, totally get what you're saying um it's very dramatic right like Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Celix Celix you know she's counting down one one thousand or whatever five five one thousand um and like the you know the very last moment when she gets down to one she kind of jumps up and pulls Callie down Mm -hmm. and then uh Celix and the crew start shooting um and taking out the Cylons and we see cowardly, slinky jammer slithering away. Um, he takes off his mask too. Uh, yeah, he should have taken off his vest if he yeah, was smart. A... I mean, yeah, we know he's not. So <laughs> if he wanted to blend in with the prisoners, you don't want to be wearing the Caprica human police patch on your shoulder, you dumbass. <laughs> Uh, he is going next episode or no two episodes from now it's gonna be great um <laughs> there were there were a couple i think rumor did say like at some points they in some drafts uh jammer was going to die in these yeah. scenes um but he like you know then they thought of other episodes and then they didn't have him die so what i read is they also at one point duala was gonna die what yeah and in some draft of these two episodes duala was gonna die they didn't say how but they decided against that as well which like i can't even believe they considered it you know we're we're gonna get a little off track but in some ways like it kind of makes sense because there was nothing really for her to do from this point on actually i don't know there's a very emotional story that happens later called Unfinished Business. Yeah. And then some stuff with her and Starbuck after that. I think that she's she's essential. It's just from that point. I don't <laughs> know. I just really, I like um, Duala's sort of arc, as weird as that sounds, considering what, where she ends up. But in <laughs> on my rewatch, I really like felt for her Mm -hmm. a lot yeah i didn't the first time around i never disliked duala um 
I feel like she she gets a raw deal. Yeah, she does. She really does. Like, I've never it's never sat well with me. Um, with her the the Lee stuff, just the way he treats her. Like, he, you know, watching it now with, with doing this, like, you know, I you know I you know I was gonna be I was being snarky about how he was treating her when they you know when the the they had the hostage episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and but like yeah, but he like treats her like he treats her like an option like a consolation exactly she should be no one's consolation prize she should be no one's consolation prize she is one of the most beautiful women Mm -hmm. that i've ever seen (laughs) it's like you it just highlights how dumb yeah (laughs) how dumb (laughs) lee adama is (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if Lee Adama's going to come out of this rewatch very well. <laughs> yeah, no, he did. he's really not. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has a, he he has his you know he has his moments. But I haven't. He has, see, he having... has his few good men like high moments, and then yeah. after that, it's still like, well, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. He still yeah. He does have one of the to me one of the greatest TV speeches in the history of TV. So I'll I'll give him I'll give him that. But uh, yeah. Anyway, that guy. D is so beautiful. Like, how could you? Huh. Anyway, uh, and she's a cool. She's a cool chick. It's not yeah, like you I was know. gonna say like besides how beautiful she is, she's also like smart and capable. And yeah, like why you wouldn't know? you? Why wouldn't you? That's like maybe it's just he's so self destructive. Maybe that's what it is. Like he can't handle like having a solid, good person around him. Well, he can't he can't make up his own mind and whatever. He just like she should have broken up with him a lot earlier than she did. Man, if only Billy had survived. Anyway, Sharon um is talking to Anders and we see a new guy. <laughs> My eye spots a new guy lurking in the background and I kind of started to remember, "Oh yeah, that's the guy." And he ends up being on some episodes a little bit later. Um, his name is Charlie Connor um, in this. Uh, his The actor's name is Ryan Robbins. I remember him from a show called Sanctuary on Sci-Fi. Um, and he actually was the, uh, in the miniseries, he actually was the guy sitting at Ar- the Armistice Toss. I read that. Yeah. He has like old, old people makeup, which is my favorite. Um <laughs> <laughs> He, yeah, so he he's on this and that. We see him throughout the show from here till season four, I think. Um, anyway, she uh, she says she tells Anders that her job is to get the launch keys uh, while she's there. Anders tells her that uh, they'll wait till nightfall before heading back to the city. The Marines hiding up in the trees are. They spot two skin jobs. Uh, one's Cavill, clearly, and I, I actually stopped and paused to rewound it and um, to try to see what the other one was, and I think it's Leoben. Um, oh. And, yeah. I, I didn't. I, I never went back to see who it was, so I was actually curious. Yeah. Like, I just I was just like, wait, who, like, who was it? Like, who could it have been, you know? Because, like, my memory would have told me it was Dural because he just he's so distinctive looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely wasn't, uh, Simon. <laughs> so, but, and, uh, but it kind of, it was weird because it didn't, 
it was like Leobin, but it didn't look like Leobin, if that makes any sense. But he was like he was like a white guy with like dirty brown hair. So it's like who else could it have been, you know? Mm-hmm. For a second, it looked like Anders, which was crazy. And <laughs> and we know for a fact it Anders isn't a Cylon, so it couldn't no, have been. No, he's him. definitely not. Yeah. See, it's not, <laughs> At least so. not one with copies. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> that would be your dream. Uh <laughs> And he has a plan. <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, they the cool marine. Uh, uh, she says uh, to bring out the RPG. So, oh, it's getting crazy. And then um, we get back to the part where they're uh, they were shooting on the on the creek side. Anders says that they need to get out of there, and Sharon says, no, "Stay put, trust me." And then right then. Um, the Marines absolutely destroy the Centurions, and it's very satisfying <laughs> to mm-hmm. watch them get just get just obliterated. Um, in the aftermath, that uh, uh, Charlie character he he's going through Cavill's pockets, and he finds uh, the map that Anders had written earlier, and then immediately Anders knows that Ellen is a snitch, mm-hmm. and she's about to get a stitch. Back, uh, back uh, in the with the trucks and um, Celix is untying the hostages and Rosalind down in the down below. Rosalind helps up Zarek, who who decides to. It's this is the appropriate time to make references to uh, like sexual uh, escapades. Well, because Rosalind like grabbed him and and like pulled him down this little hill. Yeah, when the shooting started. Yeah, I was just like, wow. This guy. <laughs> uh, Celix lets... Uh, uh, Cavill's trying to grab a gun, and Celix walks over and uh, kicks the gun away. And she ultimately is, like, going to let him live. Obviously, if he dies, then he'll download and um, can give the information of, like, who they are, what they hap- what happened, wh- um, and mm-hmm. everything. So just let him, let him like, die slowly. Um, Chief... Super cool, standing up on the ledge, just like, hey, and looks down, and it's Rosalind, and Rosalind recognizes Chief. It feels so good. Uh, good to see you, ma'am. It feels mm-hmm. it feels very Tyrol on the deck of Battle, uh, like the episode when, uh, Blackbird episode. Um, it just has that, they just yeah. have that f- feeling, and I just like, oh, this episode. Um, Callie asked then where where do we go from here <laughs> and chief says we're going home Adama's coming back with the Galactica so now there's hope then we go to this really trippy sequence um we're in a dream and um this this answers the questions of uh do androids stream of electric sheep uh <laughs> <laughs> um I really started thinking about that. I was like, God, I guess silence, silence, do they dream? That's kind of kind of crazy. Well, Doc actually asked that question later, too. Yeah, yeah. So she sees a rock, and it's like a distinct-looking rock with, like, a rope tied around or something. Um, there's, like, kind of, like, specific directions on, like, signposts, like it's uh, the 477, whatever it is, in MASH. They have all the signs leading around the encampment. And then there's she sees like dead bodies everywhere, and then she sees a crying baby, which is Hera. 
and then she sees herself picking her hair up and then she wakes up and it looks like she's on like the colonial one yeah um but it's kind of weird because then they do an establishing shot of colonial one for the very next scene so i was like is she in another ship or what's that colonial one i don't know anyway this uh, doesn't um... really matter I thought it was Colonial One. I was just like, I know later she and Baltar and Six sort of have this thing. Um, oh, yeah. But I don't I think that, that that has started yet. I think no. that they, that, that this whole, you know, presidential office probably has been turned into like luxury, like whatever. There's probably yeah. more than one bed. Or yeah. this thing with, six and baltar that happens is later yeah yeah when she wakes up I, initially i you know because i couldn't quite remember i was like what is somebody sleeping next to her and you know um but clearly there was not um so um establishing a shot of colonial one with six and baltar and apparently he needs viagra because he's having um space viagra he's having trouble um getting it up <laughs> and he's kind of like you know uh six is stroke stroking his ego or not 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 stroking his ego she's helping his ego supporting she's his ego like placating him a little bit there you go that's the word and i uh, mean to his credit he's like I, I, i'm not so fragile as that. Yeah. Like, my ego's not so fragile like these things happen whatever and, yeah. and it, it completely makes sense because he's feeling guilty yeah absolutely makes sense then he's like what should we talk about now but then he starts being really condescending to her mm -hmm. how was um, your day at the how was your day darling how was yeah. your day at the office yeah so you have to be an exceptional a-hole when you make me sympathize with an occupying cylon because <laughs> i i was just like you're being the biggest jackass right now i love that he's like i had this really fascinating conversation with one of the dorals he thinks that if we if we um re we can regain the trust of the humans if we give them toilet paper yeah. uh, he's like he, he's on to something there <laughs> if people could only wipe their bums properly, there'd be a measurable uptick in the polls. <laughs> I mean, he they, he foresaw the future 15 years later. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. When, when everybody in this country went into an absolute panic and like yeah, could over... not find toilet paper. Literally, <laughs> literally, Baltar <laughs> was... <laughs> On point. My PTSD is coming back. Um, so she... I feel like we're still not over it. Like, no, yeah. I, I still am like, oh, we're down to 15 rolls. I better go get some more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be like, you know, how they always say, like, your, like your great-grandparents, your grandparents um, that grew up in the uh, Depression still would always kind of, like, have extra things or like money in the you know money in the bed and that stuff like i think that we're gonna have a version of that may i mean it may just be toilet paper my grandmother's a... version of that was that 
is that because she's still around mm-hmm. um she has a hard time like throwing away like if she uses some tin foil mm-hmm. she'll like flatten it out to reuse it and when i lived with with her when i was in rhode island i was like nana you don't you can throw it away yeah it's okay it's like stuff like that like she she has a hard time like i don't know it must be some like childhood memory because she was a little kid in the depression mm-hmm. so yeah you just have that feeling of like oh, yeah. just it seems prudent to to, to continue to do this and i don't want to assume that this will always be here it's giving like uh you know uh having like an extra fridge with uh in the garage or something and having a whole bunch of food in there you know yeah um because you know you never know i mean and you never know like any anything can happen i have my own little things that i have around just for like emergencies and stuff um like I have food stores, but it's like, dude, I was upset that I was going to have to use them just because of like the pandemic. I thought there was going to be like a zombie outbreak. And then, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh no, it's just because you can't leave the house. But anyways, um, so six is getting dressed. Um, and it made me think colonial one's really going to need some deep cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're going to, like, steam. They're going to have to scrub that thing down because that place looks just seamy, seedy, well, you know? Rosalind should just gut it and yeah. <laughs> use whatever they need to from other ships to, like, rebuild the inside. <laughs> uh, six, six uh, Mitch says how she's uh, watched uh, Baltar spiraling for the last four months. You know, does in like, do you realize uh, all the things that, I've given up for you, basically, she says. Um, he sarcastically says he's thought about it. Um, and then she leaves and... No, he doesn't. He says, he says, with the occupation, I can't really say I've given it much thought. Right. That That's what he says. I'm reading into it sarcasm. Um, yeah, because it's like, obviously, he would have given it quite a bit of thought. At I don't think he's given any thought about what she's given up for him at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think he says it sarcastically. I don't know. Anyway, she gets up to leave and he says, don't go. And she comes back. Well, they're playing the six Cylon music um, and uh, they are very codependent. Uh, then we get to Starbuck. And um, this is the only Starbucks scene in this show. In this episode, yeah, it was. It actually was interesting because, like, like, so you know, watch this a billion times, and it's interesting how little of New Caprica is about Starbucks, actually. Yeah, and it's kind of weird. Well, there's only so much they could do with her being held captive and all. Right. It's but it's kind of weird because I don't know for some reason like she features in my brain about this, but yeah, just kind of sitting in the room. Uh, but she's, uh, you know, she's with Casey and she's, uh, apologizing to Casey for leaving her alone, um, which allowed her to get hurt. Um, and then she is upset with herself and not Casey. And then she says, grownups do, do stupid things sometimes and gets caught up in the, and we get caught up in our own little world, uh, until it's too late. Um, and then daddy's home 
um, and Leoman enters. Uh, meanwhile, Starbucks putting puts Casey to bed and starts to leave. And then Casey grabs her finger in that cute little way kids do, you know, and gives like this. There's this shot and like just the cute little cherub little face of Casey and the smile. Um, it warms my heart and it's meant to warm your heart because they're going to rip your heart out next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Leoman is uh, standing in the background like, yes, yes, my plan. It's coming to fruition, you know. Yeah, um, warm tongue back there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so Diana finds uh, she's wandering through the streets of uh, New Caprica. Oh, man, I really meant to pull up her whole Pulp Fiction speech so I could do it oh. here. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny because like in my notes I wrote, inside is Honey Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> so sidebar, when I was yeah. in LA recently, um, we were staying at this hotel in Hollywood called the Arden or the Alden. I mm-hmm. think it was called or the Arden. I can't remember. The Alden. Alder, uh, whatever, really cute hotel, um, very mid-century modern, like old Hollywood, really adorable. And there was this uh, diner attached to it. And we were, we went down there and had breakfast one of the days that we were there. And Mm -hmm. there was a picture on the wall next to our booth of um, John Travolta and Samuel Jackson from the diner scene and I was like started looking around and I was like oh my god is this the diner is this the (laughs) fucking diner and she was like my friend was like I can't remember anything about Pulp Fiction and I was like like started like acting out the honey bunny scene I was like you know (laughs) this scene and she's like I don't know and I'm like looking around I was like I why would this picture be on the wall if it wasn't? And then I Googled it and it wasn't. I was really bummed out because I thought like <laughs> somehow I just happened upon the diner. And then it turns out I've been to the diner. Uh-huh. When I lived in LA, I've been to that diner and I didn't know then. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I've always it's, actually wondered where that is. It's actually. over like on the way to the airport. It's like La Cienega and I can't think of the cross street right now. And if you quick move and I accept you, everybody will run away of you. Yeah. 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 That, that diner's like over near the airport. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Get back to Amanda Plummer, who always yeah. plays a wacky, crazy person. Right. She. I saw her in something. I don't even know what it was. I saw her in something fairly recently. And I was like, oh, Amanda Plummer. And I didn't recognize her. That was a thing. I can't remember what it was. Uh, inside, yeah. So in, anyway, inside is Honey Bunny, and uh, her character's name is Celoy. Celoy, I think. Celoy. Celoy. Yeah. Celoy. Yeah. I actually looked it up. It's a. Uh, it was. It's a uh, like a. I think it's like a location in Greece, which you know makes sense uh, because of mm. the, all the the roots of Greek and Roman mythology in, they use. In this book, they said they named her after something. Keep talking and I will yeah. find it. She tells Diana, don't be afraid to enter. She knows who she is. Uh, she asks if Diana has any candy. 
and mentions that Kamala is bitter and kind of establishes to us, the viewer, um, and that's what she keeps eating. So she's she's high on some Kamala extract, which lets us know all, you know, kind of tied into uh, Rosalind, who has her visions. Mm -hmm. And um, so Honey Bunny has her visions also. Uh, she's named after a, a oracle from Greece. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, she says that Zeus sees all, including uh, Deanna. And then she says she sees Deanna's destiny and all the gods will weep for her. It's very, very, like, what's what? <laughs> um, and then uh, Deanna rejects this and says that there's no Zeus. There's only <laughs> there's no Dana, only Zul. No, she says there's no Zeus, only God, the one true God. And um, she tells, Honey Bunny tells Deanna um, that she doesn't, that Deanna doesn't believe that anymore, that there's just one true God. And that's also why she's there. She doesn't know what she believes in anymore. And mm -hmm. and then she tells um, Deanna about the dream that brought her there. So she repeats the dream. Um, she gives Deanna a message from God, which is weird because it's like she is sort of acknowledging that this one true God and Zeus also, whatever, exists somewhere out there. This is basically Hera is alive and that Deanna will hold her in her arms and for the first time she will know true love. Um, it kind of goes back to the last episode when Deanna talks to Six, and Six is like, you don't know what love is, you know? Mm -hmm. I want to know what love is. And then she will lose everything <laughs> that they've, uh, everything that they've done here um, on New Caprica, because Honey Bunny then wishes for some chocolate caramels. You know, that's the little, the little, yeah, that's the little the zany part in her, right? <laughs> like, so random. Um, but this, you know, this scene is actually really like low key pivotal and interesting not just in terms of like setting up the new arc that Deanna's going to be going through for the next I guess half of the season or so um but it starts to drop in like a little bit more directly like the mysticism element of Battlestar Galactica which will feature more and more and more and more as we move on from here to the to the very end mm -hmm. in the way in the way that it touches on that stuff because it's still like even even um with this conversation with about zeus um and like like zeus is telling her one thing but also god is telling her one thing like the cylon god or whatever um but she doesn't like it still remains mysterious right mm -hmm. so there's no like there's no definitive anyone trying to tell you what actually is or isn't but this stuff starts to feature more and more as we move along through the show. Um, so it's uh, starting to move into that that phase of Battlestar, which I think is, to me, is tied more into the original show that kind of had, had that a lot more in spades. So back on Galactica, Helos giving orders to the crew. D's, uh, like, you know, getting ready for uh they're getting ready to go on their mission um d is you know present and um 
she, you know, they have a little conversation. She says, take care of the Admiral. And then uh, Hilo says, take care of his son. Um, then there's a big gathering. Hilo tells Galactica, stand on one side. Pegasus crew, stand on the other side. This big, thick line of salt is poured in the middle of them. And then uh, Racetrack kind of stands at the very end, and she starts to read from scriptures. And I didn't really, re- again, watch this a billion times. And, uh, of course, when I'm, like, actually having to pay attention, I actually realized what what was actually happening here. <laughs> uh, and I actually didn't even, I didn't, like, my first watch, I just watched for myself. And then when I do my rewatch, when I'm kind of taking notes, that's when the first time I actually realized what was being said. <laughs> But she basically says, um, she reads from the scripture, she reads this passage that says, their enemies will divide them, their colonies broken in the fiery chasm of space, their shining days renounced by a multitude of dark sacrifices, yet still they will remain always together. And the uh, dumb guy light bulb went off in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're reading from the scriptures and like, you know, kind of like saying this is actually what's about that, like what has happened and what will come to pass. Yeah. Um, With that element of like, uh, I don't really believe in this, so I'm not sure. But it was like a kind of an acknowledging that, oh, there's going to be some hope in this very risky maneuver that's about to happen. Really um, um, confusing why they didn't end this with So Say We All. Um, yeah, right. At the end, they always remain together, and then the whole group says always together, for sure. Because that's what we know at this point, right? Yeah, that's the phrase we've all been saying. <laughs> yeah. Still say to this day. Yeah, so say we all. <laughs> 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 then they uh, they break the line of salt, and um, they all give hugs. I actually noticed really quickly, um, and this is tied back to uh, what you said a long time ago, um, Racetrack is giving Hilo a hug, and I thought that that was, like, a really cool, oh, like... Oh, notice. Yeah, it was really, it was a really <laughs> quick flash, and I was like, ah, yeah. You know, and it's, like, nothing to do with anything, but, like, with Leah Karen's actually being the one that had this whole backstory it would yeah. make sense that she would like kind of oh yeah we're gonna hug you know whatever and yeah, yeah added such a deep element in that two seconds <laughs> shot for me so uh, adama and lee are getting ready to part ways at a uh, raptor uh adama gives lee his orders to take the civilians to take the civilian fleet um, to the court, these uh, specific set of coordinates, and wait for 18 hours. If he's not back by then, then head for Earth. And Lee is like, "I'll see you in 18 hours," kind of saying, "Yeah, you're you're gonna make it through this, Dad." Um, and then Lee says he wishes he could talk him out of it. Um, starts to give him a heartfelt like thing, and then Adama says, "You know, don't make me cry in my own hangar deck." Um, <laughs> and I'm kind of like, you know, here here in 2023, I'm like, dude, it's okay, it's okay if you cry, man. Yeah. Adama. Adama does cry. Like, we <laughs> see does. him cry much later in the show. Oof. Uh, mul- yeah, multiple, he is an multiple ugly times. Crier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, dude, like, he, maybe he, he probably he held in so much <laughs> over all those decades. It just came out how it came out, I guess. 
Anyways, they hug, and uh, Lee then gives his now iconic Husky Lee salute meme, um, standing on the uh, the ledge of the uh, the raptor, um, while the Adama family theme music plays in the background. And eighteen hours, he said. Mm-hmm. Um, back on New Caprica, Deanna. It's at nighttime, and Deanna sees Coddle. Um, in, or she walks past this tent and sees Coddle and some other medics, or whatever, working on. Uh... And I was actually, I was actually unclear on this um, at first, but it seems like it's a Cylon that they were. He says that. Working he says it's on. one of the fives. Right, and so my, because my first read, I guess, was was kind of like, like why would they be working the Cylon, you know? But um, and I guess this is this something I picked up when I was listening to the commentary. Is that I think that there was a whole sequence where they actually actually showed, I think it was uh, Simon was actually being attacked by insurgents, and I think Maya was involved in it somehow, and so that sparks. That's what really sparks that scene later when she's sitting in the bunker. Um, mm. Yeah, so that I think that was related to that, and I don't know why. Like, I don't know if they ever shot that, or if it was left out, or whatever. There were no, there were no deleted scenes for this episode. Uh, and Deanna asks him, like, or she says, "You could have let him suffer." And Don yeah. Cottle's like, "That's not what I do." Right. So it's like he, it's the Hippocratic, hypocrite, hypocritic oath. Hippocratic. Right. Oath. Hippocratic. Hypocrite oath. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, yeah, it shows, I guess, you know, the character of him. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it would just be a lot easier to let them die, right? Like, it was, seems like it would be a better use of time and be more efficient. But it also is sort of, like, indicative of this, like, being in a position where you're being controlled by the Cylons to make them do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I think that Doc Cottle will, would I mean a person comes in and they're injured, he's going to try to fix them regardless. Um maybe because he's spent time with like Sharon. Mhm. You know, and he never discriminated against her when it came to her care. Yeah. That's so true. as as a doctor, he's going to be a doctor regardless. Just like, you know, there there are doctors in our military that also worked on enemy like, victims or enemy casualties. They're not casualties if they're not dead, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I guess. It, but in this instance, I'm just saying it's like there's a there's a whole fresh body waiting for them. But they they, they do talk about how. A little bit later in this episode, they do talk about how the downloading process isn't just all squeaky clean. So maybe that has something to do with it also. So Deanna sees uh, the dog that, you know, the only dog we've seen in the universe. And <laughs> and his name is Jake. Did we know the dog's name was Jake before this or no? No. Yeah. So his name is Jake. And then I am like, why wasn't his name Muffet? Um, but Coddle takes a smoke break outside sees Diana and Deanna and then um 
uh, Ash just asks her if she can't sleep, and she says she's has bad dreams. And like as you said earlier, he remarks, "I didn't know you people had dreams." Yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody has dreams, Doc. She says in that, um, and then she asks, "Is that human or Cylon blood?" And he says, "Cylon." Talks about how he's operating on the on the five. Um, uh, I'm just like, just let them die, bro. But whatever. But it does again. I think it does speak to all the elements that we just talked about. Um, um, she then asked him the whole point of why she came was to ask him about uh, Hera. Did he incinerate her? He's like, it wasn't my decision. It was the president's call. You see him get a little like, like cagey for the yeah. first time. Cause he's like the, the, at the beginning of the scene, I actually liked it because he's like sort of like typical dot coddle in that just like with Adama and like, Every other authority figure, it's almost like he doesn't care that, like, and so he kind of the way he's talking to Deanna is like that until she asks him about Era, and then all of a sudden he is back on his heels a little bit. And anyways, he says he's just following orders. Uh, she remarks that all blood looks the same, Cylon and human, yeah. I guess, and then leaves. It's so dramatic. Whatever. On Colonial One, the Cylons realize that everything's falling apart. Cavill, um, that poor little thing, poor little Cavill, <laughs> describes how hard a day he had <laughs> uh, being left out there. He was, uh, he's like, can you believe they left me to like bleed? He had, a, I guess, he got shot in his stomach, and it was hot out there. And then he crawled over somewhere and cut his uh, cut his throat. Um, and then remarks of how tough Skid is. Yeah. Um, and uh, then he talks about, again, like we said a little bit earlier, he talks about how the downloads have become becoming more and more difficult. This particular cavil has had three downloads so far. He says the first time it was like a headache, um, but this time he says it's like a white-hot poker sticking in his brain, and none of this is worth it, basically. Baltar is over there, like, you know, being ineffective, whatever Baltar says, like, he's right. Doral snips at him, and um, Baltar is just like, just just shoot me at this point. Like, he really doesn't care about anything anymore. And Deanna uh, remarks how the Cylons used to all have consensus um, on all of their decisions, but now look at them. Like, they're, you know, they're a mess, and they can't decide on what to do. And Doral says, hey, no big deal. We'll just nuke the city and be done with it. <laughs> which kind of like perks again has Baltar does often when his own life is on the line, then all of a sudden he perks up and kind of mm -hmm. pays attention and notices. So we're in a tent um, with uh, Sharon and Anders and Sharon is getting dressed in the, I guess, I guess all of the uh, eights dressed the same way that Boomer does. Um, Cause she's getting dressed up just as how Boomer looks. Um, he kind of mentions that she should hide her dog tags, and she's like, no, I work too hard for them. She's about to leave, and then, uh, oh, Connor, I'm sorry, that Connor character enters with Ellen, and Anders is, <laughs> he's having none of it with her, and tells her, tells uh, Connor to take take her down, and hold her until they finish their last briefing. And then, um, as Boomer's leaving, um, Anders asks 
her to keep an eye out for Starbuck and mentions how she's been gone for four months. Doesn't know if she's dead or alive, but just wants to know. Which is, you know, kind of, that hits home, right? Yeah. Like. She must have done, I can't remember the details of next week's episode, but she must have done something when she, you know, puts her hands in the goo and like finds out where the launch code or the launch keys are. She must have also searched for Starbuck because he does find out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He totally like kind of knows where to go, right? Yeah. Downstairs in the dungeons, in the tunnels, uh, Rosalind presses Anders uh, that she really, 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 really needs to keep Hera and Maya safe. <laughs> um and he he kind of asked, you know, if things go sideways, how you know, what are you saying? How far do we need to go? Kind of implying to like, do we kill them? <laughs> and then she's like, uh, like, just don't let it get to that point. And then he's like, well, what's the point of this kid? And she's like, she may she may very well be the shape of things to come. Um, that's either a blessing or a curse. Do you think that Anders figured out who the kid is? I literally was going to ask you that. I think he did. I think he did too. But yeah, I I think he or he suspects. I had a whole bunch of thoughts around it. Like cuz he wasn't even around when the kid was on the board, <laughs> so to speak, right? Like so would he like even know about any of that? Well, probably because he I think he knew that Sharon was pregnant. Because Starbuck knew Sharon was pregnant. Okay. But then, yeah. you know, he hasn't been around since... He was around briefly since they lost... Since she lost the baby because she was part of the rescue mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure he was informed. Yeah, it just seems like the kind of thing literally where I don't even know in a practical sense that that would have been brought up or like a thing. It, um, but it just depends know. on the conversations that he had with Starbuck and what Starbuck wanted to tell him, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. I just, I don't really feel like they were, like, what they would be talking about it. anything of importance. Well, they had a whole year where they were living yeah. on New Caprica. <laughs> Starbuck's like, get this, and then blah, well, blah, 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 blah. you know, if, let's just say, because this is all, you know, conjecture, but yeah. he knows she's pregnant. And then when she helps Kara rescue him, she's not pregnant anymore. So he asks at some point, like, what happened with the baby? <laughs> and Starbucks says she had the baby, but it died. Yeah. Because that's I mean, what everybody I, knows. Yeah. Even without, like, because I, I mean, I agree with you. Like, even without any of that, I still, he's like, he, he gets it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, Cause, like why so- else would... You're you're saying she may be the shape of things to come. You're yeah. telling me that this child has to be protected at all costs. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Like, what yeah. else could it possibly mean other than? Yeah. Is this Sharon's baby? And then you look at this kid who is half Asian. Right. Right. I I was actually thinking it, and I didn't want to like go there. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, the bottom's gonna fall out soon, President Rosalind. Yeah, you no, know, it is. Oh, it is. Yep. So yeah, I wrote Xander. Get it? <laughs> I also wrote Joe. So cute, uh, Joe from uh, 
Eureka, Maya. Um, anyway, so Diana, meanwhile, walking around the streets and she sees a woman holding a baby and, you know, thinks about uh, Maya. And this is where I noticed that her Cylon hairstylist is fire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, back down in the tunnels and the insurgents are going over their plan um, when uh, the uh, they said when the signal happens, the insurgents will hit the airbase, detention center, power station and other critical facilities. Anders says that they've stored arms and munitions in key areas throughout the city. Uh, Matthias, uh, the uh, Marine, the cool Marine, says that they can supplant, uh, supplement that with mortars and RPGs and a few uh, shoulder-mounted anti-aircraft missiles. Let me just say, when she was saying all this stuff and me knowing what happens next episode, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Chief uh, gives... Uh, like the plan about the targets and remarks um, so that um, he, as he's talking, he said, he's like, yeah. So the moment when Galactica and the Pegasus arrive, we can blah, blah, blah. And then um, Matthias is like, oh no, there's no Pegasus. And then Rosalind's like, hey, why not? And Matthias says, she doesn't know beyond my pay grade. And then she just kind of moves on. Um, she asks about the evac plans and then, my Tori, I love her so much. I love Tori so much. I know it. I know it's obsessive, but I, <laughs> I just every time I see her, I'm just like, God, I love this woman. She says that there are 500 block captains um, to cover each sector of the city, so that when everything's kind of happening, they're assigned to rally people and guide them to particular sec uh, the escape routes to their designated ships. Um, Zarek. Mr. Uh, Johnny come lately thinks he's in charge and knows everything, even though he's been in detention for four months. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, don't suppose you've been able to rehearse any of this. Um, and Rosalind kind of like, you know, shuts him down a little bit. That's how, that's how I was reading the whole thing. And she's like, you know, the, we've uh, we've actually had three full dress rehearsals, she said, under the guise of uh, fire and natural disaster drills. Apparently, like, production worked on this whole plan, um, how any of this could make sense. Cause, mm -hmm. um, um, but I actually like this a uh, little bit, a little bit of this, because um, Math Matthias, Math Matthias, she says uh, it will be different, though, in the moment. She says when the balloon goes up, uh, it'll be like chaos or whatever. And Rosalind kind of, like, curtly jumps in and says everyone knows they're going to be responsible for saving themselves. They'll need to be ready. <laughs> so. Yeah, there there won't be any like, well, we do we have everyone? Are there any stragglers? It'll be yeah. like we've got a a finite amount of time to get everybody yeah. on ships, and if you don't get yourself on a ship, I'm sorry. Rosalind then goes to Anders and asks, you know, we got is the is the whole Maya situation squared up? And Anders kind of shows shows uh, her the two guys that are really terrible at their jobs. Apparently, but they're his two best shooters. Is yeah, what he says. Two, yeah. I was actually kind of thinking, like, what, like, the two best shooters? But what is that like? That to me, that means like snipers. Like, how is that? Like, I need like, I need hand to hand. I need like, 
knife wielding. I need like Krav Maga guys. I don't need like guys that are just good at shooting. Well, Hilo's on the Galactica, so I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> He's our Krav Maga guy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Rosalind says it's very important they succeed. She trusts them because she trusts Anders, and we've all learned that you should not trust Anders hey. by this conversation. <laughs> He can't control what happened. What is trust? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Sharon, uh, then there's a scene of Sharon walking through the streets and someone throws a bottle at her. Very, very traumatic for her. Um, back in the bunker, we get to the scene. Um, and uh, they're all confronting Ellen. And... Ellen says, basically, after all of this rigmarole, she just kind of to Ty because Ty doesn't want to. Ty doesn't want to believe it, right? And he's very defensive and protective of her. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's like she did it, and Anders is very adamant about it. And then um, Ellen says to Ty that she did it all for Saul because he would have been killed if she hadn't done what she did. And when she says that. Ty kind of gets it, right? And she basically, she had no choice. You know, I did it all for you. Don't you see that? Apparently he does <laughs> in that moment. I but mean, he can, still... under- he can understand why, like what her reason, she didn't just arbitrarily betray them. Right. That's true. Even yeah. though that's the way Anders feels. She had her reasons for doing it. She was trying to make sure that Saul didn't get scooped up and killed this time or you know more things taken from him Mm -hmm. but that doesn't make it okay yeah it doesn't make it okay and like people lost their lives because of what she did and so there even though it was for you know a good cause per se she's motivated to save ty's life um there there needs to be some kind of repercussion. And uh, I guess I don't know what happens, but I guess we'll find out next episode. Meanwhile, Sharon enters the detention center, interfaces with the little Cylon machine. We'll see a lot more of that um, coming up. I think it's the season, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know, she says, drawer three, seven, eight. I, my brain was kind of wondering if that had any kind of significance, but I didn't think of anything or see anything. Um, she grabs the keys and right as she's gra- grabbing the, the keys, Deanna enters, Sharon immediately draws her gun. Um, and she tell, uh, Deanna's telling Sharon that, uh, you know, you're betraying us. Um, and then Sharon's like, well, you know, I'm an officer now, like I'm doing it for my people or whatever. Um, and then Deanna is like, well, Hera lives home girl and Sharon struck by that. And says she doesn't believe her. And Deanna's like, no. <laughs> this actually kind of makes me laugh because she's like, no, they have her. And then she's like, yeah, I had a dream. Yeah. <laughs> I had a dream. Then an oracle told me. So it's true. <laughs> but it actually is. Um, and Sharon says she's going to shoot Deanna in the legs. Obviously doesn't want to have Deanna download and then have frack their, frack their whole mission up. Deanna will stay put. Um, and then Sharon shoots her and then Sharon actually says that Dama wouldn't lie to me. And 
It's true, right? Because Adama doesn't know, actually. Adama. Yeah, that's, and... that's true. I think only yeah. only Tori, Roslyn, and Coddle know. Coddle, yeah. So Scotty doesn't know. Sharon uh, then gives the keys to Chief, and um, she notes a couple of important, like little bits of information for us just to kind of know how this is all working. Um, she says that the there's whatever data that she found says that the ships have enough tilium to make at least one jump. And then um, she kind of like, <laughs> she has this topic she wants to talk about. So she kind of is like, hey, uh, congratulations. Uh, I heard you have a kid now. <laughs> and Cyril's kind of like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, I have a kid. Um, and then she asks him about the ashes um, mm -hmm. that uh, they... Uh, dumped into space and she, did you actually see them when they spread and then he's like yeah and then she's, he's like why and she's like oh nothing and then she says make sure Callie never lets her kid out of her sight and I know like I know what she means but it, it, also, I, it can kind of sound like a threat <laughs> like if you take it the wrong way you know what I mean I wouldn't I never would have thought of it in that way because she's so sad when she says it Right. I'm not saying that that's I'm, I know what it means and I'm not thinking that's what she says, but I just was kind of like it just it just seemed like a weird thing to say. Maybe to Chief it might be, but not to the audience because we know what she's thinking about. Right. Yeah. There's just like zero context for that to be brought up, I guess. It was kind of weird. I mean, the whole was, thing had zero context, which is right, why Chief no. is like, yeah, yeah that's true. of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... <laughs> so we're on the Galactica. Dama's in his uh, quarters. Uh, very tense. Hilo enters. He tells tells Adama the listening raptors jump back. Sharon has the keys. Adama punches his desk and not the little ship he's going to punch <laughs> in about eight episodes. And down in the rec room, uh, Racetrack is kind of pacing um cats over at the at a table kind of um rocking back and forth whatever um the phone rings racetrack answers it she hangs up cat sits there she says uh racetrack says it's on and we jump to the cic and i noticed captain kelly was sitting at um one of the yeah. cons and i was like oh hey captain kelly um, and they, those are actually, actually all the little touches again that I love about the show. Like, and again, that kind of going back to Deep Space Nine, that was one of the things I love. Just the, all the little random characters that just show up every once in a while. They could be like in a, for a second or two, but it just makes the whole thing feel actually organic and fleshed out and real. Um, mm -hmm. Adam up gets on the on the PR system for the ship, and um, there's shots of. All the crew as he's talking, and you see one shot of a scared cat <laughs> sitting at a table. My brain actually, from a like editing standpoint, because I know, like, I'm kind of wondering, like, in production, they already know episodes and episodes ahead script wise. And I'm wondering if that shot was meant purposefully, not just for her in the moment, but just kind of like where they, they know cat's going to be going a little bit later neither here nor there and adama gives a rousing speech over the pa do you have it would you like to read it or <laughs> i do have it okay. um 
you know the mission, you should also know there's only one way that this mission ends, and that's with the successful rescue of our people on New Caprica. Look around you. Take a good look at the men and women that stand next to you. Remember their faces. For one day you will tell your children and your grandchildren that you served with such men and women as the universe has ever seen. And together you accomplished a feat that will be told and retold down through the ages and find immortality as only gods once knew. I'm proud to serve with you. Good hunting. Begin jump prep. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah, begin <laughs> jump prep. Healers all action stations set condition one throughout the ship. Stand by for combat jump. And that's it. That's the it. end of part one. I was filled with anxiety, anticipation, <laughs> like this entire episode. And it took me back to like this time when I was watching it the first time. And just, I remember that week. <laughs> between this episode and the next was just like kinetic ah, you know yeah. like I just like what because you didn't quite know what was going to happen um, I were like again talking to my friends and stuff and then I actually remember I could talk about it a little bit next week but like the I think the night that that episode aired I actually had to go up to San Francisco from LA so, like, I wasn't able to see it when it actually aired. <laughs> and so I think I I think I had, like, like, I think when we got, like, literally when we got up to San Francisco, it was, like, I think they they showed it again that night or something. So we, like, as soon as I got out of the car, like, we went in and I watched that episode, like, or it was, like, the next morning. And just absolutely, it felt like everything like my life changed <laughs> but we'll talk about that next week yeah so was baltar the worst this week he's always the worst <laughs> i said not this week because he's just so pathetic yeah feeling sorry for himself he didn't have any motivation to be the worst this week yeah i can see that who would you give full colors to uh, I will. I mean, there's so many people, but I think I would give them to Sharon at this point for going into the belly of the beast, I guess. I said Sharon or Anders. Because Anders is, Anders is sort of taking the lead on organizing a lot of this stuff mm. and liaising with her and like mm -hmm. making sure that she knows where to go and yeah. everything. So. Um, and then, of course, Rosalind trusts him to save that kid, which, you know, he if he was in charge of it himself, the kid was probably be fine. But <laughs> I mean, that is true. But that's, you know, because he's Anders and, you know, yeah, even. Yeah. Who would you throw he's out got the airlock? Main, main character energy. Uh, who would I throw out the airlock? There, I mean, there's so many candidates. Mm -hmm. There's Jammer. There is I mean, Jammer's like, not even in this, really. He, well, yeah, but I mean, he's still like, no, he rips his mask off and he runs. Yeah. It's like, you know, um, you know, Dural just by being the snippy little. I said Dural. Yeah, the snippy little pissy guy that he is, which is yeah, why I love him. I love Dural like, so much. Oh, uh, we can always just 
nuke the planet. Like, fuck you, man. Again yeah. with this nuking the planet thing. Yeah, I actually really loved. I loved her all in the way that I, you know, I talked about on this podcast before, in in much the way that I love all the bad, uh, evil women on like soap operas and, <laughs> and stuff. Like, I just it's delicious how evil, single mindedly evil he is all the time. So, so yeah, I probably would, I'd probably give him that for this episode. And this week's favorite Cylon, um, Sharon again. Yeah, Sharon Agathon. Yeah. Do we have any new reviews? Uh, no, we do not have any new reviews. Cool. Yeah, I'm giving. I'm giving up on that. I'm giving. Up. <laughs> I'm stopping. I'm giving up searching for new reviews. I'm stopping on New Caprica, and just <laughs> <laughs> giving up on my quest for Earth and uh, brand new reviews. Yeah. Well, if you would like to leave us a review please do it helps people find us i know we're at the 20 year anniversary of this show starting so people are sort of back in that Battlestar frame of mind so if you review us or just rate us but reviews are fun uh it helps us climb up in the searches you can rate us on itunes you can also do it on spotify what else? Where can people find you? All the usual places at the Armageddon. Um, I've been posting a lot of uh, my popcorn buckets that I get at movie theaters lately. Um, it's been become a hobby of mine out of nowhere. I didn't expect that um, at this stage of my life. Um <laughs> <laughs> did and, you go uh, see the Eras tour? Did you get an Eras bucket? Yeah, actually, I did. Uh, yeah, do you know? You know, I was there at the Eras tour day one. I did I not wait. know that. No, I did not see that. No. Never, it's like it's on Prime, and I looked at it, and I was like, I'm not going to watch that. But you know, it's actually funny. Um, I was doing something, and like the little ad was playing <laughs> in the back of my head. I was like singing along, and then I was like, No, that's a, a Taylor oh Swift. I can't rent it. It's so I'm, not, fun. I'm never. I'm never going to see it unless. Like someone is like, "Hey, we're watching this," and then I'll watch it. But I don't. It's so fun. I have that popcorn bucket. <laughs> but but I I do have the popcorn bucket. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is the. If you follow if you follow me on on Instagram, you see my I have it's like it's an addiction. I can't not get them. I I'm see. Go I see. look because the, yeah. the unfortunate thing about Instagram and. Facebook and anything run by Facebook is yeah. that you don't see everything you want to see. Absolutely. So I'm going to have to go because I'll see your stuff on occasion, but I have not mm -hmm. yet seen a single popcorn bucket. So I'll have to go to your page and actually look at it. Yeah. Because I tend to go like, at, you know, I go once a week and, you know, not every, not every week, but yeah, it's like I see. I see these like at AMC. They have these like, and they the the popcorn buckets. They got they've gotten more and more intricate. So they mm -hmm. they're not even just like buckets. They're like you know I got this Fast and the Furious car or like um, Optimus Prime truck and like uh, the Blue Beetle like Beetle. <laughs> and, uh, there was something that like... came out recently that had a cool popcorn bucket. What was it? Uh, well, I got. Uh... So part of the say AMC has one, and then I went to I was up at my folks' house, and they didn't have AMC there, but they have Regal Theaters there, 
and I went to see Aquaman 2, which is an amazing movie, if anybody's seen that. That is sarcasm. But they had a really cool Aquaman, like, tin. It's, like, really cool. It's, like, a shape of a figure. And so it's like a like a bobblehead almost or like a Lego or something. It's really cool. So I got that. And then last night I got a Mean Girls popcorn bucket. I didn't see Mean Girls. But that's like that's where I like that's how I am about it. It's like I don't have to go see. It's like whatever's there. And I look at it and I'm like, oh, man, I get that. And um, they had at AMC. I will say my addiction does have limits because last week was the first time I didn't buy one Um, when I went to see the Iron Claw and they had Willy Wonka hats. Oh, my God. You didn't get that one. I didn't get that one because I looked at it and I was like, that is gross. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what it looks like, but I can't wait to see that movie. It's just the hat. No, it's just like it's a hat. And I, I was just care. like that. I don't give know. Me, the give very, me the Wonka the, hat. The very idea of it just just was like made gross. And then uh, someone was like, so it was like, yeah, what? You think that's gross, but like, uh, like, but you could eat out of someone's head? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Weird. <laughs> I have like an Ant Man helmet. An Ant Man helmet's really cool. So you're Anyways, okay with a helmet, but not yeah, Wonka's I, hat? Yeah, like I, like I told like I told her, I was like, hey, like it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> and it doesn't have to make any sense. It's just gross, and we're just, that's just it. Anyway, um, so that's I post that, <laughs> I post I post the uh, other links that I post the uh, Galactica actually to that account and um, some of my other things, which, uh, you know, um, another review you didn't ask for, like I just mentioned, I did, um. I just put in a, a review up of Iron Claw and uh, Aquaman 2 this past few weeks. And by the time this episode airs, I will have um, a review of The Boy and the Heron. Her- Her- um, I, I, just, I just looked up this Wonka popcorn bucket hat and it is dope. And I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's just the idea of it. Just it like, really makes... looks like a hat. Yeah, it looks like a hat. I just, <laughs> I, I'm just like, it's a hat. I don't know. It's just like, it doesn't even, like, with everything else that I have, it like, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's cool. But like, it's just a hat. Like, if I have, I, I if I, you, you see it, you'd be like, what is that from? It like, looks like a real hat. You could wear what, it. Yeah, but someone was like, what is that from? It's not like. If it was like a fedora, like oh Indiana Jones, okay, it's just like a hat. It's like a top hat. Like, yeah. What is that? What? What is this? It's so you can. I don't know. So you can feel like Timothy Chalamet. I don't want to feel like him at all. I wonder, <laughs> like when when Dune two when Dune two comes out, I'm wondering, are they going to have like giant worm tins? <laughs> I'll get that. Oh my god spice flavored i got a really cool one from that movie star is it star the disney movie wish shine wish yeah wish and it's a star that lights up that one is really cool that one is really really cool didn't see the movie (laughs) but i got the i got that one and then i got one from marvels and anyway i post some of that stuff on instagram (laughs) um yeah uh 
I said, I'll, I'll be, by the time this episode airs, I'll have um, another review you didn't ask for um, on that Instagram channel that I, I manage. Um, that, that'll be up. I'll put that review up maybe today or tomorrow. And uh, First and Well Chronicles and um, Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura. Well, I can be found on Instagram at oh hey Jamie. It's o underscore hey underscore Jamie. It's mostly pictures of my cat, and my my dearly departed cat. Uh, recently, I was pet sitting my neighbor's rabbit, whose name is Timothy Shalahay. Oh God. <laughs> uh, and he's very cute. So there's a few pictures of him, but um. Yeah, it's mostly just the cat. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Galactic Actually. Uh, you can email us at Galactic Actually Podcast at gmail.com. I used to co host on the Unspoiled Network where I covered Doctor Who and Lost and Band of Brothers and Punisher and Vampire Diaries. Uh, I know Doctor Who is back and the new Doctor is excellent. And there's nothing I could ever do to convince my co host to jump back in. <laughs> and cover because she hated Doctor Who. Um, and we did it for a couple wow. of years. She really, really did not like the show. There were moments that she liked, but overall she did not enjoy it. And so I, like, I even texted her to, to like, test the waters. And I was like, because uh, she loved Donna Noble. And mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, on these specials, Donna and Tennant are back. And also, Shidi Gawa is the new doctor, and he's incredible. And she's like, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew that. Like, there's no going back. So, um, But it was a fun show to cover until we both kind of got to a point where we were not enjoying it. I did not enjoy the Capaldi years, and so we quit around there. But anyway, next week is Exodus Part 2. We may have a guest. Yes. And um, maybe there won't be quite so much uh, talk of <laughs> things that don't have to do with Battlestar. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all good. You're, whoever's <laughs> listening to this is driving, and like we're we're filling the air while yeah. they're stuck in traffic or something. So <laughs> I'm sure they're fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so until then, Diallo, what do you hear? Nothing but the oncoming storm. Oh, boy. I'm sorry. Nothing but the rain. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. See ya. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.